The Bible reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 21, the parable of the sower. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 21. After this, Jesus travelled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. And also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven de demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. His disciples asked him what the parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar, or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Now Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, Your mother and brothers are standing outside, wanting to see you. He replied, My mother and brothers are those who hear God's word 
and put it into practice. It would be great to keep your, uh, your Bibles open there at that part of the Bible. Uh, Luke chapter 8. Let me, uh, for those who came last night, let me rearrange the stand and you can all have a giggle. That's fine. Um, I've got to drive it. Okay, how about we pray and we get into God's Word together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your Word and its clarity and, it's, uh, and it's, uh, clearly its message which is good for us and uh, honouring to you and we heed it. Help us to hear and heed today. Amen. Now look, uh, the thing about puzzles, the thing about puzzles or riddles is you always have to listen to them very carefully. They will have a meaning, they will have an understanding, but often that meaning can be hidden and so you need to listen carefully so you can actually work out what's being said. So say the riddle, I've got a riddle for you. I have cities but no houses. I have mountains but no trees. I have water but no fish. What am I? Okay. There's an answer to that riddle. There's an understanding. It's not obvious. It's, it's hidden. And if you don't listen carefully and persist in listening, all you get is, well, you don't get the meaning, but what you get is a little, you know, a little ditty about fish and cities and mountains and trees and you hear the words, but you don't perceive or understand what it says. It's kind of hidden from you. It's the kind of way a riddle works. You need to listen carefully in order to see the hidden meaning. Or try this one out. Here's another one for you. Um, what word is always spelled incorrectly in a, dic- in a dictionary? Okay. Again, it's a riddle. Uh, what can easily happen is that you don't immediately, maybe you don't immediately see the meaning of the puzzle. Maybe you've worked it out already. But if you don't understand the meaning, all you get is this little phrase about you know, what's words spelled incorrectly. You're always spelled incorrectly in the dictionary and you hear the words, but you don't perceive what it means. It's, it's the way riddles work. And look, I, I, I highlight that for you at the start here, not because I'm in the riddles, as it, as, but because the, the parables that Jesus teaches, they're not exactly like this, don't hear me saying that, but they, they, are, they are like riddles. There's a similarity to them where they have a meaning, but the meaning is hidden. It's not obvious. And so to understand what a parable means requires very careful listening. And today we're going to see one of these, well, what's really a forming parable, one of the very first parables that Jesus teaches. And without listening carefully, very carefully to what he's saying, you will miss it. You've got to have ears to hear that, listen carefully. Because there's a hidden meaning. Come with me to Luke chapter 8. Come with me to Luke chapter 8. We're going to pick it up at verse 4. But look, I'm not such a novice preacher to know that if I don't solve those riddles for you, you're not going to listen to anything I say. Okay, and so I mean, let's solve those ones for you. Uh, see if anyone's actually got it. What has uh, what I have cities and no houses. I have mountains and no trees. I have water but no fish. What am I? Does anyone got it? Well, an atlas, an ant's nest. No, no, no. What um, a map? A map was the one we went for. A map. A map has cities but no, you know, all that kind of stuff. And what about what? What words always spelled incorrectly in the dictionary? Come on, someone's got that one. Brilliant. Okay, you can't fool this church family. That's fantastic. Okay, you've got ears to hear riddles. That's good. That's good. Let's get it. Let's Luke chapter 8, verse 4. Uh, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town to town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it. 
some fell on rocky ground when it, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears, use them. Or what does he say? Let, let him hear. Use your ears well. Listen well. There's the parable. What does it mean? Actually, before we get to the meaning, um, if you've been reading Luke's Gospel to this point in time, you would have noticed that uh, Jesus has actually quite a number of times been, been teaching very plainly, in a very straightforward way. Uh, Judge and you will not be judged. The measure you use will be used to you. Uh, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Now, he has this kind of straight, straight, blunt teaching, if I can call it that. And we've heard that kind of teaching and we've seen the responses of certain people to that teaching. And when you see some of those responses, you might be wondering, gee, did, did, did people just not understand? Was it really that difficult to understand? So last week we saw Simon the Pharisee. And you're kind of wondering, did he not listen to Jesus when he said, you know, blessed are you when people hate and exclude you and insult you because of me? You know, because if he'd listened to that teaching, why was he treating that woman so poorly? And it's not just that kind of isolated moment with Simon the Pharisee. Uh, do you remember that moment when the centurion had, uh, had his servant healed? And um, he was desperate to have his centurion healed and, and um, he actually didn't see Jesus in person. Remember, he sent a, a, a group to go and talk to Jesus on his behalf and as Jesus decided to come, he, he sent another party to say to them, look, I know what it's like to be an authority. I tell this man, come, and he comes. I tell that man, go, and he goes. Do you just say the word, Jesus, and my servant will be healed? And do you remember what Jesus said in response to that? Jesus actually said, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel. That is a telling comment on the understanding of people who have been listening to him from what you might call his first audience, the, the Jewish nation, the Israelites. He has come to teach them. He's been teaching to them. He's been teaching them plainly. And it seems that they're not really able to understand it very well because the quality of their faith is just so low compared to the centurion of all people. Can't they understand what he's saying? And so you might have been reading Luke's Gospel and having that kind of observation of the response of Je to Jesus' teaching and then you come to a parables, the parables and you might be thinking, oh, Jesus is going to try out a new teaching method. He's just tried plain speaking and it's not really working that well. Is he now turning to storytelling? in order to make his message clear. And if you're thinking that, you might be going, maybe they'll listen this time. Maybe people will understand this time. And you read the story of the, the first, this is parable comes up, this, the parable of the soils, and you read it, and do people understand? Did, did you see in the text that no one understood? Not even the disciples, those who have been listening to him the most amount of time, not even they understood. You look at verse 8, verse 9, you can, you, that's where you see that. Look at verse 8, verse 9. After Jesus told the parable, he told, his disciples asked him what this parable meant. I mean, so confused were they, they had to ask him, what does this mean? And quite importantly, before Jesus goes on to then explain the parable to them and what it actually meant, Jesus kind of pauses and goes to his disciples, hey, 
let me tell you why I speak to the crowds in parables in the first place. Let me give you some understanding of why I bother to tell these kind of parable stories. And when he gives his explanation, does he say words like, oh, because parables are simple earthly stories that are used to convey a heavenly meaning? Is, is that what he says? Not at all. Look, look at verse 10. Look at what Jesus says in verse 10. When he says, here's why I speak in parables. He, he said, verse 10, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you. But to others, I speak in parables. So that, and get this, so that though seeing, they may not see. And though hearing, they may not understand. Wow. And it's often thought that you know, the parables of Jesus are like kind of sermon illustrations, used to make things more clear and more simple. Now, people like to think Jesus wasn't a complicated teacher. He spoke in ordinary, everyday language. And so he spoke in these illustrations, often farming illustrations, things like that, to make it easy for the common man to understand. And friends, nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus says here that he spoke in parables. Did you get that in verse 10? So that people, he calls them others here. Mark in his gospel will call them for those on the outside. But he speaks in parables so that those others or those on the outside, so, so they, would, they would hear what's said, but not perceive what it means. That they would see but not understand. Hear but not perceive. This has got to be one of, I think, the hardest sayings of Jesus, doesn't it? That he would teach and that he would deliberately teach in a way to obscure the meaning. And Jesus, I think, makes it very clear here that he is being very deliberate. He's deliberately teaching so that those others, as Luke calls them, or those on the outside compared to those on the inside, the disciples, that those on the outside would perceive but not understand that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. And he kind of raises that question, why would Jesus deliberately do this? To teach in a way so that the meaning is hidden. Why would he do that? I think the reason he does it is to sift people. It's one of the reasons why I liken it to, to, to riddles a little bit. You know, when you tell a riddle, it does have a sifting effect. There are those who hear the riddle and hear the, you know, the mountains and the sea and, the, and they go, what does it mean? And they think about it for five seconds and go, I can't be bothered. And they just walk away from it and all they get is the mountains and the hills. And the... But there are those who hear a riddle and go, man, that's bugging me. I'm going to think about that all day. And they, they desperately want to find out the answer and they want to hear, they, they, and they, they, they seek after the answer. And the answer can be found if you look hard enough. But the, the, the riddle would have sifted you or sorted you out into two kinds of people. The parables are like that. They have this sorting out effect, this sieving out effect, to sort between insiders and outsiders, to sort out between those who really want to listen to Jesus and to sort them, to sort them out and differentiate them from those who are just, you know, they're just on for the ride. They just, you know, they, they just want to see the healings. They want to get a free feed if he feeds the 5,000. They're just there for the ride. But no real interest in what he's saying. And Jesus teaches in parables to sift. They have that sifting effect. If you really want to know the meaning of the parable, if you really want to understand and listen carefully to Jesus, 
Well, then there is a meaning, and he, he actually wants it to be known. He sifted you out, and you've, you, you're a listener, which is why he goes to these disciples and go, you really want to know? That's fantastic. Let me tell you what it means. And so having sorted out these kinds of people, Jesus says to those who really want to listen to him, look at verse 11. He says to those disciples, he says, oh, this is the meaning of the parable. If you really want to know, let, let, me, let, let me let you in on the inside. Let me, in, let, let me let you in on the riddle. Here's the meaning of the parable, he says. The seed is the word of God. Okay? In this parable, the seed is the word of God. The seed is, it, it's a picture here, isn't it, in this parable of a farmer sowing some seed. And it's meant to be a picture of what Jesus is doing as he is teaching. That Jesus is like the farmer, sowing seed. Not sowing, well, not really sowing seed in the soil, but sowing the word of God into people's hearts. I take it as Jesus is telling the parable. It was a pit. It is. A, it's a picture of what he was doing then. It's actually a picture of what's happening right now, as the the word of God is being scattered. Now, I wonder if you've ever seen a farmer scatter seed. Uh, in some ways, I, I don't really know exactly what it looks like. I've got to use my imagination. Uh, I take it that's probably the case for most of us here. In fact, I think it's the case for all of us here. Even and I can see Christian there. Even if you are a farmer, right? Because none of us have been doing farming in first century Palestine, which is very different to the way we do it today. So use your imaginations with me. But in my imagination, I imagine a farmer walking up and down his field kind of just scattering the seed everywhere as he walks. As I understand it back then, normal, normal farming methods were to scatter the seed first and then plough it into the ground. And so to watch a farmer scattering seed in the heat of a day, I reckon it would be very easy to say, oh, man, what's the good of that? There is going to be a lot of waste. Because you haven't ploughed it in yet, you don't know where the soil is shallow. That might have rocks just beneath the surface. Because you haven't ploughed it in yet, you know the birds of the field can come in and eat it up before it actually gets into the soil. If Jesus is like a farmer sowing seed, then as he teaches, it seems that some of his, his efforts are clearly, clearly going to be wasted. And it's not as though Jesus is ashamed or afraid or embarrassed by that conclusion. He actually tells us in this, yeah, that's right. Absolutely, that's right. And so he goes on to explain the parable. Look at verse 12. He says, as it's, as it's scattered, he says, those along the path, as the word of God is sown and spread out, those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe. And be saved. See, the word of God is scattered and sown towards some people, but it has no effect because Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown. Now, I wonder if that's ever been you. It's, it's, it's been me at times. Absolutely, it's been me at times. I've been like that, where I've had the word of God spoken to me. And on occasions, almost as soon as it was spoken, it's gone. I wasn't listening. 
I was making no effort to listen. I mean, sure, I was sitting there looking like I was listening, but I wasn't going in. And if someone had asked me five minutes later, hey, Pete, Pete, what was the word of God that was sown into you this morning? And I would have, in all honesty, had to say, I have no idea. Does that, does that happen to you? It's happened to me. I think it's probably happened to all of us. There's a chance, right? There's a chance it's happening right now. Sometimes the word is scattered and it falls on soils where people are not listening and it's snatched away from them by Satan. And Jesus' point is, be careful how you listen. Soil one. Verse 13 is soil two. Look at verse 13. Those on the rocky ground are those who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe it for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Now, I wonder if you've ever been like that soil. I know I have. I know there are other ways of hearing the word of God taught to you other than preaching. Uh, but if we just think about sermons for the moment, because that's what we're doing right now together. But when you hear the word of God in a sermon, if you're like me, sometimes, oh man, that excites me. That is just really critically important. That's just captivated me. That is so important. So much so that after morning tea, after the service at morning tea, you might go up and go, gee, what a word from God we heard this morning. That sermon was just absolutely fantastic about time in this place. It's about time we had a good one like that. But you, know, you might have that kind of conversation. And um, you, loved the ser- you loved it in the moment, right? It really, really significant, important, excites you, captivates you. But that's all. That's all it was. It didn't go deeper. It excited you for a short period of time. In the moment, it was great, but it never really sank down into your heart. You didn't go home and think, man, I've really got to change the way I live. You didn't really hear the word of God and go home and go, what does that mean for how I spend my life now? And so by the end of the week, with all the busyness of life, that moment of excitement, it's, it's gone. And you've moved on. And in the end, the word of God excited you but had no real effect. Have you, has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. Again, it might be happening right now. T- time this week will tell. Time will tell. Okay, soil three. Look at the soil three, verse 14. The seed that fell among the thorns stand for those who hear But as they go on their way, they are choked by life worries and riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. And again, can I ask you, I wonder if you've ever been like that. Can I say, absolutely, I have. Where you hear the word of God spoken to you on a Sunday, but then come Monday, I mean, life is so full of worries, so full of concerns, so many pressures in life, so many things to get done, that there just really isn't time in my life to, well, I say that to myself, and really the sermon I heard on Sunday and the word of God that was sown into my life, look, is honestly strangled and choked out of my life by Monday morning. 
Have you ever been like that? Now, perhaps actually it is a picture of you right now where, where you are hearing the word of God today, but even as you're listening to it, there are just so many things you are anxious about in life that it is just getting choked out immediately. It's worth thinking about what are the things in your life that could be the thorns that come up and the, that choke the word of God by Monday morning out of your life. I think that's an important issue that we've all fallen into at different times. I'll come back to that at the end and we'll think together a bit about thorns and choking. But of course there is the fourth soil, isn't there? Okay, verse 15. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. So here's the soil Jesus is looking for, isn't it? The ears that he's looking for, the ears that will listen carefully to his teaching, that will hear it, but notice it says there, retain it. Hear what it is and retain it. And not just be kind of excited and captivated by it, but who then will persevere in doing what it says. They will hear and heed. Persevere in that heeding. And at harvest time it says here, man, they will just produce a bumper crop. A bumper crop of righteousness. And this is a soil we want to be like. Soil that listens carefully to what Jesus says, takes it to heart, who heeds it by taking it home and changes our lives and shapes our lives around his word by persevering in doing what it says. That's the good soil. We all want to be that. And I'm hoping you can say, have you ever been like that? I hope the answer is yes. It's been yes in my life too. This, Jesus says, is the meaning of the parable or the riddle, if, I can, if you can allow me to call it that today. And can you see in this parable of Jesus, it really is a parable. It's a parable all about listening. I hope you picked that up. It's a parable all about listening and how well you listen. And that is why in this parable, there's a sense where with the parables of Jesus, if you can't work out that this first parable is all about how you listen, then you will not understand any of the parables. Because if you can't work out that you need to listen carefully to a parable, how can you possibly listen properly to any other parable? This is one of those kind of forming, agenda-setting parables of Jesus. And, And to underline just how important listening carefully is, and that if you've got ears to hear, then use them well, look at what he goes on to say in verse 16. Because having taught you firstly about parable, he gives you another parable to give you another go of listening. See if you can work this one out. Look at verse 16. No one lights a lamp and hides it away in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that everyone who can, anyone who comes in can see, see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Now, don't, if you're like me, I'm first reading this parable. It's cryptic, isn't it? It's quite, it's quite a riddle. It's about a lamp and it's about something being hidden and concealed that ought to be out in the open. And, but if you're listening carefully, you ought to be reading the parable in its context. This parable is about something being hidden, something being concealed, something that's not meant to be hidden forever, but actually something that's meant to be completely out in the open. And if you're reading the parable in its context, you ought to be asking yourself, gee, 
what around this, say, what around in chapter 8 has been hidden, that has been concealed? For whatever that is, Jesus is saying it ought to be out in the open. So what is it in chapter 8 that's been hidden? And I think the answer is, well, the meaning of that first parable was what was hidden. Jesus told a parable and no one understood it. Its meaning was hidden. Its meaning had been concealed. And so I think therefore Jesus is saying in this parable of a lamp, what he's saying is this, that the meaning of the parables are not meant to be hidden. They're not meant to, they are meant to be seen. They're not meant to be concealed because Jesus genuinely wants to be understood. It's not as though he's come to cover up the truth. He's come to reveal the truth. He wants to be understood, but you've got to want to listen. You've got to pursue the understanding. The parables are difficult, like a lamp underneath a stand, uh, uh, being concealed, but he wants it out in the open. The answers are available. You've got to come to Jesus and ask. Jesus is actually saying, isn't he going, there are, there are real answers to life. There is light to be lived by. If you've got questions about God and about life, then there are genuine answers. But you're only going to find them if you listen carefully to Jesus. That's when it will come out into the open and the truth will be plain to see. But you've got to have ears to hear what Jesus is actually saying. Because if you don't have ears to hear or listen to, you don't have ears to listen to Jesus, then you won't have the you won't have the answers. And the parables would have sorted you out. Sorted you out into someone who doesn't want to listen carefully to Jesus. Sorted you out into someone who doesn't want to come to Jesus for answers. And as if to underline the importance of this kind of moment as he's teaching here, look at what he says in verse 28. Jesus goes on to say, Therefore consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. It's a, it's, again, it's a little bit cryptic. It's a bit of a kind of, kind of whoever has. And I kind of, or you read it and you go, whoever has what, Jesus? What's this whoever has? What do you mean? Whoever has what, Jesus? Again, read it in its context, in its chapter. Jesus used the phrase, well, whoever has ears to hear. Whoever has ears to hear, Jesus, Oh, they will be given more. Whoever does not have ears to hear, oh, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. It's, the, it, it's actually an urgency and a judgment moment. Uh, that with the measure, remember the measure you use will be used to you. If you have ears, you've measured Jesus as someone definitely worth listening to and paying very close attention to. If you have ears to hear that and you want to hear, then what, well, you'll be given more. But if you don't have ears and you've judged Jesus, not really that important to listen to. You're not going to pay very close attention. Well, if you don't have ears to hear him, then even what you think you have, well, in judgment, you'll have nothing. It'll all be taken away. Actually, it's a bit of a reminder about being very careful about how you listen to Jesus because of who he is. Because of who he is. Now, if I can use an illustration that hopefully explains rather than hides things, but, um, you know, if... If I was a generous guy and I went out and brought Bill Gates a $50 present, and say so I got it just right, right, and I brought Bill Gates a $50 present, and he really loved it. 
and he decides to buy me a gift. Because of who he is, I mean, the gift could be worth millions, right? That'd be fantastic. Bill Gates is nothing compared to Jesus, who's the king of the universe. You have ears to hear Jesus. Whoever has will be given more. Because of who he is, what he can give you is just amazing. Because of who he is. And that I think is trying to get you to underline about be really, this, this stuff about having ears to hear and listening to the parables. It's not child's play. This is very serious business because Jesus is God in the flesh. You, have, you need to have ears to hear to listen to him. So if you've got ears, Jesus says, man, use them. And to underline that even further, do you notice in the, in the scene, the last scene that we've got before us here in this section, that while he's even saying these things, Jesus' family come to visit him. They want to speak to him. And people say to Jesus, hey, look, mum and your mum and your brothers and your sisters are outside and they want to speak to you. And Jesus takes that moment in verse 21 to teach them to say, well, look, you really want to know who my family is? He says, my brothers, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. That is, you know, whoever has will be given more. If you have ears to listen to Jesus, not only will what he teaches you give you the meaning of life, be a light unto your path so you can live well in God's world. Yes, you'll get all that, but even more, you get treated as God. God will treat you as family. Jesus will treat you as a brother and sister. And So, how were you listening this morning? Have you got ears to hear? Are you using them well? I think there are two things I want to finish with that we need to hear. And hear carefully this morning. Firstly, the first thing I want you to hear is we must never, ever, ever forget the importance of scattering the word. That must be fundamental to us. The kingdom of God grows as the word of God is sown into the hearts of people. And that really ought to shape your attitude as you walk into church here and go to your Bible study groups and things like that. You may well come to church for all sorts of good reasons. Many, many legitimate reasons. Friendship and, and enjoyment of life and... Um, Probably not the coffee, but probably lots of other good things. Right? All sorts of good reasons you can be here. But look, the reason we've got to be here is the teaching of God's word being scattered and sown into our hearts so that it can be sown richly and deeply into the soil of our hearts that we might hear it again and again and again and listen carefully to it and the answers Jesus gives that has to be first and foremost for us as a church. And first and foremost, you know, this is, this is why it's really quite important to keep reminding ourselves of this, myself included. We are all sheep, me included, as a, as a pastor who's leaving, right? I'm still a sheep because the leader that we all follow and the true leader of our church family was never me. And it's not going to be Tim as a senior pastor in the future. Our senior pastor, our Chief Shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's always his voice we must hear. His voice we must heed. And so as we come to church and we want to see it to grow, we want to reach more and more people, it's right that we keep thinking through, well, how can we reach more people? What maybe a new program we could run? What, what different activity could we do? We, of course, that's, that's quite appropriate, and we ought to be doing that and being wise to try and reach as many people the gospel as possible. But whatever we do, whatever program or, or strategy we implement, 
at its heart, every strategy needs to have as its heart the word of God being scattered and sown into the lives of people in their Wagga in the Riverina. Listening carefully to Jesus must be of first importance in our lives. And it's always worth asking ourselves, yourself privately the question, am I serious enough about that? Have I got ears to hear to go just how important this is that I arrange my life around it? Which then brings me to the final thing I want to say, which is the thorns. It is worth thinking about what are the weeds and the thorns that might grow up as the word of God is scattered into your life and choke it. What thorns are there? Because you know the best time to pull out a thorn. You, you didn't know the best time to pull out a thorn, isn't it? It's when, you, it's when you first get it. Pull it out straight away. Now, what are some of the thorns that we ought to be aware of? There could be all sorts of ones. I've got two. From my observation, this will affect those of us who are here who aren't married yet. From my observation, going out with an unbelieving boyfriend or girlfriend is a huge thorn that chokes the word of God out of someone's life. When someone drops out of church, this will say, uh, yeah, someone drops out of church or stops going to a Bible study group, time and time and time again, it's because they're going out with someone who's not a believer. And when's the best time to pull the thorn out? Early on, straight away. Because what they need to hear is you say to them, you know, there's a person in my life more important than you. There's a voice in my life that I need to listen to as of first importance. You need, you need to know that I need to hear what Jesus says. And as you communicate to them, you're actually saying, to them, yeah, there's a voice you need to hear too as of first importance in your life and it's listening to Jesus it's of critical importance it's having the guts to say that and make decisions around that that communicates all the right things about what you need and what they need because a non unbelieving Christian boyfriend or girlfriend can be a huge thorn be aware of that if you're here and you're not married yet or yeah lastly though I think another great thorn another great thorn is busyness. Some of the busiest people I know are the laziest listeners I've ever seen. Because they're so busy, they've left no room in their life to listen carefully to Jesus and to pray to him. They've just completely filled their life with other things that they have. They think they have no time to spend the time to read their word, to listen carefully to Jesus, to read the Bible, to come to church on Sundays, to meet with his people, and whatever it is, however you do it. Do not use the busyness of life as an excuse to not listen to carefully to Jesus. If you can see today just how important listening to Jesus is, then organize your life around listening to him. Gather together with God's people during the week. Set your day around so that you have time to listen to, to Jesus. Don't... Don't think it's going to be acceptable to front, to front up to God on the day of judgment and say, you know, I'd love to have listened to Jesus more carefully, but honestly, I was too busy. Well, we've considered the word of God together this morning. I wonder what kind of soil it's fallen on. Let's pray.
Father, we do want to start by saying we're sorry to you for the times when your word's been sown into our hearts and we've just let it get snatched away or been so so busy that we've just ignored it. And Father, we need your forgiveness for that because your word's so important. And we, Father, we want to, uh, as we ask for your forgiveness, ask for your help, that you would give us those ears that just so long to hear, that we would pursue with great energy, hearing what you've got to say, retaining it, persevering in doing it, that we might obviously have our lives be helped by that, but ultimately we might heed your words for your honour and glory. And it's for that reason that we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.